Welcome to the Leadership Hour. This is Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamber. We're every week on AM 970 in New York, which can be heard everywhere in the metropolitan area and through our podcast, which people can get. They find out about all different approaches to leadership, management, communication, motivating people, dealing with difficult situations at work and at home. Mary, how can people find our stuff? Absolutely. They can find our podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcast as well as on Google Play. They can follow us on Facebook, and that's at Steve Adubato, Ph.D. That's A-D-U-B-A-T-O, as well as on Twitter, at Steve Adubato. And also on our website, stand-deliver.com, where you can just get a whole bunch of great articles and resources on communication and leadership. Well, you know, one of the great things about the Leadership Hour, as I said before, is that we talk to all different kinds of leaders doing different kinds of things. Just today when we're taping, we had our good friend Alan Alda. You may have heard of him. He's won a few Emmys from MASH and also has been with our PBS family for years. We did Kenny Danico from the New Jersey Devils, right? Yeah, we did. Some names you know, some names you don't, but every one of these leaders are making a difference. And today, we're honored to have on the Leadership Hour, Valerie Simon, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Atlantic Health System. Good to talk to you, Valerie. How are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you very much. Valerie, it says Chief Marketing Officer, but to fully disclose, we have a long-term relationship with Atlantic. They are one of our major underwriters of our PBS broadcast work. You are more than a Chief Marketing Officer, and I'm not diminishing that role, but you're very much involved, frankly, in creating a culture, along with Brian Granulati, your CEO, of how people work within that system. Is that fair to say that building culture matters? Building culture absolutely matters. And I think one of the reasons that we've been able to do that at Atlantic Health System is the team that we have. And when you talk about the leadership team, you know, which includes leaders from throughout the system. So very proud to be a part of that team. You know, one of the things that I know that matters to you greatly is, let's say, motivating and engaging people within Atlantic Health. Are there certain specific things that you and your colleagues have been doing or continue to do to, quote, motivate and engage your team members? It all starts out with that deep understanding of purpose. And while it may sound obvious, you know, we're in healthcare and we all want to make people better, at Atlantic Health System, we've worked to create this national model of what healthcare could look like, what it should look like. And I think that we all really rally around that purpose of trying to provide not just great care, outstanding care, but what's really extraordinary. And so from moment one, when you're interviewing with Atlantic Health System, when you're interacting with Atlantic Health System, the goal is to figure out how to be extraordinary, how to provide extraordinary caring in everything that we do. And I think that's something that the people who choose to work here and that we choose to have as part of the system really understand. Hmm. Well said. We're talking to Valerie Simon, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Atlantic Health. Valerie, let me try this one on you. Mary and I in our company, where we do leadership development, executive coaching, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of the organizations we work with will often say to them, listen, identify your quote-unquote high-potential leaders, and those are the people that, in our view, you should be spending the most time and money on. And if you have some folks in the middle that you think have potential to move up and grow, that's fine. But we've been fascinated by how challenging it is for certain organizations to actually identify and nurture 
these so-called high potential leaders? How do you do it? So I think that that is an ongoing challenge. Nikki Sumter, who is our chief HR officer, has this extraordinary, I, I like to say both an ear and a voice. And that ear is really important. It's something that we all follow suit in in terms of listening to our team members. So we have a lot of formal programs here at Atlantic Health System to develop great leaders, to create pathways for leaders. We invest a lot in our team members, understanding that in order to care great for patients, you have to start off by caring for the caregivers. Let me push a little bit further into this. Sure. You identify someone that you believe has a significant amount of upside potential. Mm -hmm. As a manager and leader yourself, I happen to know that you've put people in certain positions that stretch them, meaning sometimes I often say you can't grow unless you get comfortable being uncomfortable. To what degree have you in your position put certain team members in a position where they may not be comfortable right out of the box, but you have this sense that they can grow into it and you have to convince them, hey, this is good for your development, but they're like, no, I'm really good where I am. Have you ever faced that? You know, it's interesting because I love pushing people beyond what they are doing today. And what I've found is that those folks who are really leaders, as opposed to wonderful team members, but maybe a differentiator for leaders, is they understand not only do they want to be experts in their role, but they have a strategic mind and they have a voice. What does that mean? I'm sorry for interrupting, Valerie. You just used a phrase that Mary and I looked at each other. They have a, quote, strategic mind. Could you break that down for us? What does that mean? Sure. So when I say they have a strategic mind, they understand the mission of the organization. They understand the vision, and they have the ability to bring a unique perspective to conversations that may be outside of their traditional comfort zone. So I have a lot of team members ranging from a former executive assistant of mine who had a great analytical mind. And while I could see a lot of things that he was performing, he's now in a role on our digital team. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to give him a lot of opportunities to learn and to grow. And he's now teaching us um, in a lot of pretty exciting ways. I have examples of others, you know, one person I know we both know in common, uh, Luke Margolis. Luke is the best. Come here. He is incredible. I think that the most important thing as leaders that we do is the people we get to surround ourselves with. I am incredibly fortunate when I look at the team we have here in marketing communication. So Luke is our manager of corporate communications. And while he initially had started out overseeing some internal communications, working on some executive communications. Now he oversees a lot of the production of videos, not even just with local Atlantic health issues, but our CEO, who also happens to be chair of the American Hospital Association, which gives us even a greater voice, and he's become an invaluable part of all of that. So we have a lot of really extraordinary leaders and Helping them to find new ways to influence the system has been really exciting. You know, marketing has this incredible opportunity because we get to see all the problems, right? Whether it's through social media or whether it is through website, any questions, all great innovation starts off with a problem, with a challenge. And 
in communications, we know how to listen. We really do get to see and hear and interact with lots of different parts of the community, you know, whether it is through things as traditional as market research. But once you have that opportunity, you can hear what the needs are if you listen. You know, our job isn't to respond when I'm talking to the PR team or our digital team. It's not to simply respond, but it's to really take action. So we have to pull other team members in to take action. But we've been able to come up with ways that have started to help further push the system in terms of, you know, we need to have online schedule. We need to change policies that we have in place and really giving a voice to the people who are our patients and the people that we serve. Well said. You're listening to Valerie Simon, Chief Marketing Officer, Atlantic Health. Mary Gamba, jump in. Yeah, absolutely. And Valerie, what you were saying was very fascinating. And I think sometimes what we see in a smaller organization, of course, Atlantic Health is much larger than ours, is sometimes the individuals that you're talking about that you really want to help them to grow and evolve into new positions and new roles and take on more responsibility. Sometimes it's a matter of getting them to believe in themselves, correct? And then if you agree with that, how exactly do you get them? to know that, yeah, I could do this and not be afraid to make mistakes. Absolutely. So um, as you said that, I was thinking of one of our leaders who was promoted from a manager to a director level. And I like to tease her that I don't think she sees when she looks in the mirror what I see. (laughs) And making sure that I point out to her when she's doing, and she's a great example, Anna Scalora is an amazing example of someone who is not just an effective marketing communications leader, but goes beyond that to understand the needs of the organization, challenge the organization, bring in other leadership, whether it's clinical, financial, legal, et cetera, to really address what the problem is. And I think that it's important to be cognizant that when people look in the mirror, they don't always see what you do. (laughs) And when you see that potential, you know, you've got to do everything you can to help them to understand that because confidence is important for a leader. And I think developing that is something that we all need to be acutely aware of. You know, it's so interesting. Just today in the studio, we taped another podcast today, our Think Tank podcast, our new television series that Valerie is aware of, Think Tank. It looks at national issues, including healthcare and other related issues. In fact, I believe we had one of your colleagues join us, Valerie, one of your top executives who joined us for that Think Tank program looking at healthcare, if I'm not mistaken. It was Amy Perry. Amy is one of my favorite leaders. She brings, you know, when you look at the different styles of leadership, sure. Amy brings this energy and this determination. She's someone who can motivate everyone to reach new levels. And we're just talking into how do you get people to tap into their potential to become better. That's right. what I think she really does. She makes people better. As Valerie's saying this, where I was going, we have a podcast, a companion podcast for Think Tank. And Mary's been in the studio with me to offer some analysis as we're introducing these interviews. And there are several other team members who we offered the opportunity to come on and to be in studio. This is not even on camera. It's just the audio. Brian Brodeur, who heads up all of our productions here, let's confirm this. There are no cameras here, right? Correct. It's just audio. And several team members are like, nope, I'm out. And our attitude had to be, well okay, well, we're not going to force you, but we feel you produced that segment. You really understand it. You can offer perspective as we introduce it. But some of the members were on the fence. Some of the team members were on the fence, and we pushed harder. And we asked some of them, one of them, Michaela. Mm -hmm. Michaela's been only with us for a little over a year or so. Um, Right out of college. Right out of college. 
I said, Michaela, you would be great on this. You produce this, you know it. She just looked at me. She said, okay, I'll do it. She was fabulous today. She was great. And our head of marketing, Laura Van Bloom, had never done Think Tank, the podcast, was fabulous. So to that point, it's not really about us at all, Valerie. It's sometimes when we see something in someone else, half the battle is convincing them, not whether they see it or not, because they may not see it, but trying it so that they go, hey, wait a minute. That was good. I'll try this again. Isn't that it? That's true. I think that even with the strongest of leaders, stepping outside of your comfort zone can be uncomfortable, right? It can be challenging. And I think innately we want to succeed. And when you know you're inside that comfort zone, it's one thing, but there's a chance you might fail, right, if it's something you've never done before. And I think we all need to get a little more comfortable with failure. You hear it said all the time. It's hard, though. It is so hard. But why is that so important, Valerie? Tell everyone why getting more, quote, comfortable with, as you describe, failure. Why is that so important to growing as a leader, just as a professional? Let me back up. So I have had many failures, and I try and talk about them frequently because I want my team to be comfortable with failing. I always say that if I don't fail at something, I haven't tried enough. Now, obviously, you want to take calculated risks. In marketing, it's a lot easier for me to set up something to try something that may or may not be as successful. But I think you have to take calculated risks. You put your parameters in place. But it's really important to reach out and try new things. And anytime you're trying something new, if it hasn't been done yet, if it hasn't been proven yet, you don't know if it's going to succeed. So what I try and do is pilot things, figure out how we can take a risk, but grow in a fair way so that you're not taking a risk that you can't recover from. And again, making sure that other people see, I think it's really important for leaders to make sure that we look in that honest mirror and that we let other people have a peek into that too. Wow. Because being vulnerable, Valerie, being vulnerable, your strengths are your weaknesses. And I tell that to my team all the time. I think it's really important to understand one of my strengths is my intensity. I also know that's one of my weaknesses, right? So you have to learn <laughs> to <the> manage. <laughs> as, yeah, absolutely, right? So we all have to be really aware of that, but we got to make other folks feel comfortable with that. You know, it's interesting as we wrap up with Valerie. Mary, how much of my book, and I'm not here to promote my book. Yes, I actually am. But um, <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to get yeah, the evil Mary, eye. How much of Lessons in Leadership talks about, Valerie describes them as quote-unquote failures. How much of that book talks about my leadership failures? I would say probably half of the book, just in terms of not only the mistakes, but of course what you learn from them as well. But if you don't learn, that's the real failure, right, Valerie, as we let you go? A hundred percent agree. And, you know, I look at with each person. You look at ways that you help them. At the end of every single day, I look at what I could have done better. I look at the opportunities to do that better the next day. It's a work in progress. But I think that's really important to every day be committed. Celebrate your wins. Mm. You know, really enjoy them and cherish them. But just as importantly, really study what the challenges are. So well said. And that's why we focus on leadership as a lifelong process. Lifelong learners are the best leaders. And you've been listening to the Leadership Hour with Steve Adubato and Mary Gamba, and we have been honored to be joined by our colleague, Valerie Simon, who is Chief Marketing Officer, Atlantic Health System. 
I just want to say thank you on behalf of everyone here in the Leadership Hour and AM 970 and our podcast team. Thank you for joining us, Valerie. You, you offered a lot of great insight. I appreciate it. And full disclosure, I listen to you all often. So I thank you for the leadership lessons I've learned from listening. We're blushing, but thank you. Thank you, Valerie. <laughs> Let's go to a quick break, Mary, and we'll come back. And you know what? Right after this, we've been planning on doing this for a while. Yeah. Brian Brodeur, well, what did you just Google? I've done a little research, Steve. Uh, I've looked up a few movies that might have leadership lessons to their viewers. This is Beyond the Godfather. Beyond the Godfather. Thank goodness. That hurt. <laughs> Our listeners are leaning in now, waiting to hear what else we have to talk about. I'm about, about to make you an offer you can't refuse. Oh. <laughs> we'll be right back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources. Welcome back to the Leadership Hour. I'm Steve Adubato with my colleague Mary Gamba and our colleague Brian Brodeur and the great team at East Main Media making it all happen behind the scenes. Listen. Let's try this. And you said, should we go over the movies or TV shows first? And then we said, do we'll live. do it live. We're going to do it live. Now, who said that? <laughs> I'm not naming any. I'm not naming okay. anybody. It was Bill O'Reilly. Oh, come on. He was on. at Inside Edition or what You're was the show? You're going there? I think it was Inside Edition. He's yeah. current. Affair. I don't know what it was. Maybe, maybe, yeah. And he just screamed and yelled and he never apologized. Well, you because noticed? there was an issue with the teleprompter, and it just was not rolling at the correct speed or what have yeah, you. So and, and so screamed. then he said, you want to know what? This doesn't make any sense. The copy doesn't make any sense. We're doing it live. Wow. Is that what he did? Go back yeah. and listen to it again. I think it was a little more vociferous than well, that. But that being said, Brian, throw out a movie, throw out a TV show, and Mary and I will say, well, we'll discuss this amongst sure. ourselves. You too, Brian. What was the most significant leadership lesson or life lesson? Could be the same thing. That we learned from that movie. And no Godfather? No, you could start with The Godfather. No, I think you no, need to no, tee no, off with... No, I always do The Godfather. No, we're done with it. Okay. And I may bring it into it, but go, Brian. What okay. do you got? 1987, Oliver Stone's Wall Street. Oh, my wow. God. Greed. Is that greed is good? That's right. Is greed... Okay, leader, from a leadership and life perspective, mm -hmm. is greed good? That is a great question. No. I say no. That's what? my answer. Greed is not. But Gordon Gecko was got stuff done. He was productive. He made money. He made but money for other people. He got well. the most out of those people. Money isn't everything. If you don't have that work-life balance, then that's bad. So I'd say, uh, yeah, no. So that expression, greed is good, is not a great life and leadership motto. Correct. Next, Brian Brodeur. Okay, how about this? 1988, Melanie Griffith, commuting from Staten Island, working girl. Oh, now she wow. was a, she was in the secretarial pool. Yeah, and who saw something in her? Promoted her? Who was it? Well, she pretended to be the boss. I know, right? but who was the yeah. one who know, saw something who in was... her? Help her! It was Melanie Griffin and I was going to Robert Redford. But oh I know wait, it, uh, it was not Sigourney Robert. Weaver. Right? Wasn't she the, the boss? Uh, no, was a man, I was a male boss that right? saw something. All right, so this, this is not working out. No, but but here, here, here's the lesson: No matter where you are in the organization. You have potential to move up. Exactly. To if you greatness, believe, yes. Even if you, if you lie about your resume. Exactly. No, but we don't advocate lying about no, your resume. No, no, don't lie on so the resume. So far, this isn't working out so this well. This is not go working ahead. out we'll so well. We'll do it live. Go okay, ahead. here we go. Sports theme. Uh, Brad Pitt, 2011, Moneyball. 
Oh, oh, I love this movie. What do you like about What's the lesson in Moneyball? Well, first of all, I mean, what's there not to like about watching Brad Pitt on screen? Not first appropriate of all, but for this then we'll just get past that. So, in Moneyball, what I was fascinated by is sometimes you need to take a different approach to things. Cause innovation was the change. Innovation Great change. Great leaders uh, change the model. And if you remember in that movie, there was a ton of resistance to his way yes. of going about things. And who was things. his number one assistant? I have no idea. It See, was, I, I know uh, big picture the, themes. The guy who lost a lot of weight, um, uh, help me uh, on this. Seth Rogen? Nope. Nope, Seth it was Green? the other guy. Seth Green? No. See, hey. we were doing good. Help us. Well, watch. I'm going to segue because another movie is 2013's, I think, Martin Scorsese. Go ahead. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I love oh. that movie. And again, not so bad looking at Leonardo DiCaprio. I Mary, just have to say that. Do you oh, understand sorry. this is a show about leadership <laughs> right, and you I'll keep making reference references to how good looking men are on the air or okay. in movies? How inappropriate and unprofessional that is. I tell you, it's By inappropriate, way, unprofessional. If I were saying, let's do this. Let's be candid. If I were making comments about how hot someone was in a movie, that would not speak highly of me as a professional leader in the field of leadership. Valid. However, it did help just Double to standard. watch Get Through the Movie. That's all I'm saying. So that was a fascinating movie. Jonah Hill is the oh, gentleman yes. Jonah actor. Hill. Yes. Thank you. Thank Being you. a loyal uh, assistant, mm -hmm. a number two is important. And by the way, Mary, you're great, but are you my number two or am I your number two? You are my number two. Just checking. Go yes. ahead. What do you got? Uh, okay, I got a couple here. How about this military movie, Patton? Before well, my time. I am so embarrassed because that is my husband's favorite movie George of all Scott. time. Yeah. It is. And I have yet to sit down and watch it from end to end with him. That and Red Dawn are his two favorite movies. And I'm embarrassed. Let me try this to say... on Patton. Patton's leadership style. In your face, very aggressive, no talking back, blah, 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 blah. Do it because I said it. Is that, from a leadership point of view, Mary Gamba mm -hmm. and Brian Brodeur, only okay in a military or paramilitary structure or in the rest of life? Well, I think one of the messages in that movie was his unapologetic style was unacceptable, right? And the military structure had problems with him, and there was he hit the sick soldier, right? So but even in the military, you can't act like that. There's that incredible structure that's built in. Yes. But he is obviously lauded as a hero, you know, and, and an incredible leader. Hold on one second, Brian. Does it? Okay. He got stuff done. Yeah. Question. If you get lots of great stuff done, important stuff done, stuff that other people can't get done, haven't gotten done, does it make you a great leader if you get it done and there's lots of roadkill all along the way. I'm going to jump in on that one because ahead, another another military movie, Full Metal Jacket. Ooh. Love that movie. Well, what Great hot guy movie. was in that? None. Okay, go ahead. However, it did not end well, and his leadership style in that movie caused one of the soldiers to kill himself in the movie. And yes, it's a movie, but there are parallels to real life, and if you push somebody, push somebody, push somebody, and break them down, and you think, because I'm doing it because I need to, and I'm powerful, and I'm making a soldier, there is a limit, there is a line, and if you cross that line, it could definitely caused damage. That's Full Metal Jacket. Full metal jacket. Well, why am I also thinking of Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise and oh, a few good and men? Few Mary, good you know what men. I want? The I truth. want the truth. Yes. Can I handle it? You can't handle the truth. I can't? Well, that movie was also fascinating, though, because as we always talk about being upfront in admitting your mistakes, cover up not is Jack worse than Nicholson. the crime. Not at all. Not Jack Absolutely Nicholson. Absolutely not. Was that great leadership or poor leadership? That was poor leadership. Absolutely. Who gave the code red? <laughs> well, was it code red? Yeah. Uh, it, Who gave the code red? I don't know. He didn't want. He didn't want to say. No, I know. He didn't yeah, want to say. And then finally, it was him, wasn't it? 
Yeah, he took responsibility for it. He admitted it. Did yeah. he do? Did he actually give the code red, or did someone they, else? Cause... No, I think he gave the code red, but I think that he tried to cover it up, and then eventually they got him to break. He thought. And by the way, there are many people thought that he was a great leader because. By the way, Kevin Bacon was in that movie, as was Tom Cruise. Let me just say this. By the way, Kevin Bacon, an extraordinary movie about talk about leadership, about cops and the legal system in Boston called City on a Hill. Check it out right now on Showtime, Showtime, I think it is. But here's the thing. A lot of people thought that the loyalty, leadership and loyalty, that Jack Nicholson showed by not giving up anything, by protecting, quote, all of his men, even though one of them died, there were some who felt that's leadership Mm -hmm. because he wasn't going to crack under Tom Cruise's cross-examination. I argue... That's not great leadership. Yeah, there's always fine lines. There's Especially always shades when you're covering of gray. Up. Exactly, exactly. And there's always that limit where you need to be loyal. I fully agree. And there's a time to be forthcoming with information. There's a time, especially in government, where it could be dangerous to be forthcoming with information. Government, corporate world, anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Um, sensitive information. So you do need to be very cautious. But when push comes to shove, you also need to step up and take responsibility as well. So when, when it comes to leadership and loyalty, does loyalty take a backseat to integrity? Ooh. Because see, people say, I'm loyal down the line, shoulder to shoulder, I'm with you on this. All of a sudden, something comes up. Some innocent person or something terrible has happened, and a company has covered up some chemical spill or whatever, BP could be whatever. No, we're loyal to each Mm -hmm. other. That's our leadership motto. We're down the line. I'm sorry, something horrible happened. A lot of people were hurt. Nope, nobody cracks. Everybody goes down the line. I'm thinking... Mm, that's not great leadership. Yeah, what was that movie with Julia Roberts where um, with the water? Oh, oh my goodness. Not, not, was it uh, Julia Roberts no. or? Oh, shoot, I'm going to look it up. Thank you. Brian's By the way, Brian's doing research. We'll do it live. We'll do okay. it live. Doing no, it no, live. No. Okay. Um, Can we do another movie? I will give you another movie. One of movie. my favorites of all time. Which? Patch Adams. Oh, yeah. Someone says, what does that have to do with leadership? Oh, so good. The great Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Williams, you should check out the documentary on him right now. What a mind. It was very confused and brilliant at the same time. In that movie, the level of compassion and empathy that he showed, Mm -hmm. the great Dr. Arnold Gold would call it humanism Mm -hmm. in medicine, the way he connected with patients, the way he touched their hand, the way he talked to them very softly while they were doing rounds. There's a scene that I use in my leadership seminars, as you know, where he's doing round, they're doing rounds and the chief resident is like, okay, right here we have Mary Gamba. We're going to have to amputate her foot. And then she's got gangrene and talking about you while you're on. Gangrene. Well, they're talking about you while you're laying on the thing as if you're not a person. Right, right, and right. And they said, any questions? He's the leader. And Robin Williams playing Patch Adams says, uh, yeah, Mary, um, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the chief resident says, what are you doing asking her questions about yeah. how she's and doing? Didn't he, didn't he lean in and say, what's your name so or something? what's your name? I think that's Marjorie, what it was. Marjorie was her name. Right, right, right. Marjorie. They never even, yeah. Like, she, it he made just her, touched her human hand. being. Mm-hmm. But to me, leadership is sometimes about connecting yeah. On a human level, not just being so officious, not even a word, but so clinical yes. and so linear that you don't connect with people. No? Oh, totally. Absolutely. And that could be in finance or in business or in anywhere because you could just be about the numbers and accountant sitting down with somebody, but those numbers mean something to that person. It's their retirement. Got another movie? How about School of Rock? Oh, my God. Uh, Jack Black. So many lessons in there. Okay, what was Jack Black's name in the movie? Oh my gosh, why do you dig so deep into okay, this stuff? Mind. I remember the, the His name core. was Mr. L. They called him Mr. L. Okay, great. Okay. But I know um, the well, Mr. S, I'm sorry, because they couldn't say his name. And he's also lying, by the way. He was not a substitute teacher. Correct. He stole the identity of his roommate mm-hmm. to be the substitute teacher. Um in the movie, 
He thinks he's going to make some money so he can finance his band. Yep. And he's just sitting there, put his feet up on the desk and says, everybody gets an A if you shut up and the students, if you don't do anything. And all of a sudden, he hears them singing or playing some music in a, in a classical music class that was really flat and boring. And he went, oh, my God. I could get these kids to get excited about music, pick it up from there. Yeah. So he saw the opportunity and he worked with them to help them to learn how to play music, but he made it fun and interesting. And in doing that, what he helped the kids them. kids who couldn't sing? I was just going to say, he helped them to believe in themselves and to, if they couldn't sing, he found another role for them, got them into the right position on the bus. If somebody wasn't a singer, he said, all right, you're going to be our, our stage crew. You're going to be our lighting director. He found a role for everybody on that team to make them feel like they had worth, which then and obviously made them feel like they had self-worth. And then he had them compete in like a local battle of the bands, which was hysterical. So it was really a lot of fun. Motivating? Totally motivating. There was a little kid in that movie, I'll never forget him, uh, because he looked for, Jack Black um, looked for people who could sing, who could play the guitar, who could play the piano. And he said, okay, everyone, the rest of you, your job is to sit here and watch. And there's a little kid who looked at him and the camera moves in close and he says, you mean we're not in the band? And Jack Black looks at him, he says, well, just because you're not in the band doesn't mean you're not in the band. And that's when he starts coming up with other roles. Of course. Yeah, and wardrobe and everything. It was great. It was really, really By the great. way, the girl who was the timekeeper, she was the, got everyone organized. She played iCarly later on in a kid's show. Oh, wow. Uh, Amanda, whatever her name is. And believe me, because our daughter watched this show, and maybe it's not Amanda, but the point was she couldn't sing, she couldn't dance, but she could keep everyone organized exactly that would have been you by the way you can sing and dance and do other things but you would have kept everyone on time oh yeah because i can't sing or dance or i was play just joking an you can so. can't you no <laughs> i was just joking but your son joey can yes oh gosh joey can he acts he was just he was just in footloose which was spectacular oh and, footloose. Uh, footloose more lessons in leadership standing up against you know the the people that say the status that quo mm-hmm no yep. dancing in this community. No dancing. John nope. uh, John Lithgow was the was he the preacher. He was the preacher. Yes, and Kevin absolutely. Bacon said what? He said, "Well, he said that we are going to dance." And then he went in front of the council people to get them to those agree leaders. To do, yeah, to those leaders and say, "Listen, you know, we need to dance. We need to." So he listened to the words of the community of what they wanted, and he stood up and was a leader for them, even though he was new to the community. And by the way, Joey's going to be great in that. Okay, got two minutes left. Got one more, Brian. Right, I got two things. Quick. Uh, by the way, Aaron Brockovich was. That's that movie. it. Thank okay. you. Uh, so before we do the final movie, <laughs> a throw to you, Steve. Billions on on Showtime. Oh, and that's a throw to me too. Oh, I am. Okay. I'm sucked Mary's in. Billions too. Not a movie, but an incredible series on. Uh, it's Showtime. Showtime. Mary, um, Bobby Axelrod Absolutely. is a leader. I say yes. What kind? He is a uh, like no holds barred, do anything to get stuff done leader. He does um, help to raise his people up financially and he does teach them to some degree is but he ruthless with he his words and his actions he is and i was oh, just Mary, you wouldn't that. work for him would you uh no i think i would oh I no I would. hold on one second you've given me more crap <laughs> when i raise my voice or i'm difficult but because you're attracted to this guy yeah and no no this is what it is not by the way not even the character but the actual i don't know his name you're attracted to that actor who plays Bobby Axelrod, so you wouldn't mind working for him. That is so sexist. The name of the show is Billions, and he pays his people millions. So, Damien you know, Lewis. Yes. Damien Lewis. Exactly. So you're saying so. if you got paid more, you'd put up with more? 
That's an interesting question. We'll have to dive deeper into that in another show. Yeah, nice but I think on a lot. That, no, but I think a lot of people do stick with a job that they don't necessarily like because the pay is good. I think that's a fact. But Mary, when someone's mean and ruthless, and... right, right. I don't think he's as ruthless. What I, he is, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm entertained by him. He wants to take him. people out, destroy their careers. But if those you're who on his him. side, but if you're on his side, he will definitely reward you and raise you up if you do your job well. And that's what I like about him. He does. He raises people up who do their job well. Mary, yes. I'm going to say this to you. You've often told me on the Leadership Hour and in real life, you're ducking because you're hiding behind the camera and the microphone <laughs> because you know that you've said to me, it's all about your tone. It's all about your approach. It's all how you work with people. I would ask people, because this is a family show, listen to Billions and check out a couple scenes and the words and the language and the demeanor and the tone of Mr. Bobby Axelrod and check out the hypocrisy of one Mary Gamble <laughs> because she's attracted to the actor. All right, Brian, what's our next movie? Oh, there are, it is. No, time. I think we're out of time. Oh, right. look at that. We're out of time. <laughs> so this has been the Leadership Hour with Steve Adubato and former co-host Mary Gamba. Nice. <laughs> with uh, Mary Gamba, who showed her true colors today. That's what I'm here for, Steve. You were fabulous. Brian, thank, thank you. you so much for setting us up. Uh, so, Mary, that was the Leadership Hour. That was fun again. It always is. Check out next week, folks. It was fun. This is Mary Gamba. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with State of Affairs with Steve Adubato, where we look at the most pressing issues facing the state of New Jersey. This edition of the Steve Adubato Leadership Hour has been made possible by New Jersey Resources. Hi, I'm Bill Sproul. The Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters is committed to educating the public about critical economic issues that affect their daily lives. That is why we are proud to support important programming produced by the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding for this edition of State of Affairs with Steve Adubato has been provided by New Jersey Sharing Network, dedicated to saving lives through organ and tissue donation. Johnson & Johnson, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters, your future is in our building. Suez, water solutions to meet tomorrow's environmental challenges. And by Wells Fargo. Promotional support provided by NJ Advance Media. And by AM 970, The Answer. Welcome to State of Affairs. I'm Steve Adubato. We're coming to you from the NJTV Agnes Ferris studio in beautiful Brick City, Newark, New Jersey. We're pleased to welcome Jose Lozano, president and CEO of Choose New Jersey, which is Choose. It's a not-for-profit organization responsible for uh, attracting new businesses to New Jersey and marketing the great assets we have. We're actually uh, collaborating with Choose and also the EDA of the state of New Jersey and a whole range of other folks on a series called The Future of Innovation. Jose, you are wearing something on your <laughs> left lapel, if we can get a shot of that. That has something to do with innovation and Edison? Yeah, it's, it looks like a light bulb to me. It is a light bulb. It is a light bulb. It's commemorating the 140th anniversary of the light bulb being created right here in New Jersey by Thomas Edison. And it's intended to be a conversational starter with the intent of showing folks and reminding folks that there's a rich history of innovation in our state. Is the whole idea of Choose, it's a, pri it's a private organization. I want to be That's clear, right. this is not a government agency. Correct. The governor 
Who, who nominates, by the way, people to be on the uh, board of, of, of Choose? The Choose board of directors actually appoints the CEO, and then the CEO builds okay. out the staff. Got it. So attracting business to the state, keeping business in the state. You just had an initiative together with the folks over at um, the Commerce and Industry Association right. in the state. That was called Explore New Jersey? That's correct. That's what was correct. it about? It's coming off of the heels of Select USA, which was down in Washington, D.C., and it attracts companies, foreign companies, that are looking to invest and plant the flag in the United States, and it allows the states to showcase some of their great assets that we have. Uh, and CINJ had a great, uh, great idea. Commerce and industry. Commerce and industry had a great uh, idea to actually team up with Choose NJ to try on the heels of the conference and folks on their way back to their countries stop by New Jersey for for two days and actually explore firsthand some of the great things that we have. What were they, what were they curious about our state? Did they ask about our taxes? Uh, actually, not many of them did. Come on, Jose, not many of come them on. Did. No, no, no. We're no. noted for that. Yeah, yeah, we're noted for that, but so are companies internationally. If you start to look at what other countries tax their uh, private entities and their companies, it's fairly significant. But companies are looking more for their talent, they're looking for location, and they're looking for kind of a community and a culture. Okay, I have to get at this. <laughs> um, the whole question of tax incentives, not, it's not the job of Choose New Jersey. But since I said this in, uh, um, initiative around innovation in the state, the innovation economy, which the right. governor talks about, That's right. it involves some degree of tax incentives. We're That's not right. going to get into the back and forth, who's suing whom, what the <laughs> courts have said just the other day, what might be overturned, and the petty politics that sometimes goes on in Trenton. But I am curious as to the role of tax incentives. Didn't you go out to California with the governor to deal Absolutely. with the film Absolutely. industry coming here? Absolutely. Aren't tax incentives part of that? Absolutely, 100%. Tax incentives are a part of the formula. It's a tool in the toolbox, but we need to remind folks that it's not the only tool. We have spectacular assets in New Jersey that we need to start to lead the conversation with. Name a couple. We need to start off with our workforce. We have some of the most talented workforce in the country. We have a largest concentration of scientists mm -hmm. and folks with advanced degrees than anywhere else in the world. We have a great proximity and location. We are right next door neighbors to the largest market in the world and the fastest growing market in the world. We have great modes of transportation between Amtrak and airlines and NJ Transit. We move products and people better than no one else. And so we need to lead off with some of the great things that we actually have and use the incentives as a latter part of the, it is almost like sales 101. What do you lead. mean? Isn't that the lead? Isn't it? No, like the whole no, Amazon no. deal that went bad in New York, wasn't that the key? The, if, without the tax incentives, without the tax breaks, they're not the, coming. Right. The, the lead should be what we can provide you as assets to your company to grow your company and ensure that it's successful. And it, incentives it should be the last part of the discussion, not the first part. You don't lead with it? We never lead with it. At Choose New Jersey, we never, ever lead with it. We lead about the location. We lead about the workforce. We look at what your company needs to grow and flourish, and we actually pitch you in that sense. We the incentives are much later mm -hmm. on. Last year alone, Choose New Jersey helped to attract 45 companies to New Jersey, of which 40 of them never needed an incentive. Only five did. Bigger, smaller, middle size? Small to medium about? size. But at the end of the day, the small company to grow here is what we're actually looking for. Now, Why? it doesn't mean we don't want a large, large company. Don't you want the ones with the bigger, <laughs> with more jobs? Uh, because at the end of the day, it's cheaper for the next Facebook to grow in New Jersey than to attract Facebook to New Jersey. I'm not even going to get into the whole Amazon thing, <laughs> what you think of it, the New York thing. By the way, look at our um, 
website. We did a, um, steveoutabato.org, Jackie, please put it up. We did a comprehensive discussion on the Amazon deal with uh, Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill. It's important stuff, and it has implications here. Jose, let me do this. I'm curious sure. about this. Um, I would be remiss. Previously, before you became the head of Choose New Jersey, you were the head of the transition <laughs> team for Governor right. Murphy. Uh, let's just say there's a fair amount, there was a fair amount of media coverage. There may be more. We don't know. The state legislature examined the, the situation involving the, the hiring of Al Alvarez at the school development authority. authority and a case involving Katie Brennan in which she alleged she was sexually assaulted. It's going back and forth. We'll see where that happens. But the legislature put out a report that said, you know what? There are people that should have known that this guy, uh, Al Alvarez, who is saying that he did nothing wrong, by the way, I want to clarify that. The point of this question is this. It was unclear who hired him, and a lot of the legislative report that was put out, and Senator Weinberg talked about this a lot, was it was unclear. You were one of the people named as to who potentially hired this guy, Alvarez, Al Alvarez, accused of Katie Brennan, complicated, I know, of sexual assault. What do you take away from all this? And what should we take well, away from all this? Steve, uh, I have uh, full respect for the legislature and the legislative process, but I respectfully disagree with their assumptions, and unfortunately, that's all I'm going to say about it. That's it. That's it. We'll continue to follow that story in the news. Uh, one more quick one before I let you go. Sure. Um, there's a, the whole international thing that I'm curious about. Yeah. Um, there's a bio-international conference. What is that? When is that? Did that just happen? It did. It just happened. We had over 20,000 individuals descend on Philadelphia from companies from life sciences, small oh, Philadelphia? to large. Uh, it hosted it. You know, when you okay. have 20,000 folks descending on a city, there's not many cities that actually can host that. And Philadelphia was uh, one of them, which was a wonderful year. New Jersey's showcased the, the history of its life sciences. And we had the great honor that this year our governor actually won Bio Governor of the Year, which is a huge distinction in the industry. Give us a real quick, uh, before I let you out here, a real quick description of the so-called, quote, innovation economy. You say, you're at a cocktail party. I know you don't drink, but uh, it's a joke. So uh, they say, what's the innovation economy, you say? Innovation economy is something that we once had and we are trying to regain it. It's in a healthy balance of some of our strongest assets. It's from the life sciences all the way to advanced manufacturing to tech. We've got the workforce to actually build what is a true state of innovation. And by the way, we look forward to having Governor Murphy talk for himself about the innovation economy, because he's the one that is saying that it is a key to it. Choose is a part of it, the EDA, the Economic Development Authority. And one, let me disclose again that Choose is one of the many colleagues and partners we have in this innovation initiative. Jose, thank you for joining hey, us. Hey, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Stay right there. This is State of Affairs. I'm Steve Arabato. This is NJTV in beautiful Newark, New Jersey. By the way, you guys are based here in Newark. Uh, we will be shortly in a couple of weeks. That's a good thing. We'll be back <laughs> after this. To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. We are honored to be joined by one of the senior members of the Senate in New Jersey, going on 34 years in the legislature. That's correct. Still loving it? I'm doing the people's business. Yeah, that, you that's, have to love that. Yeah, right. well, we're going to get into the people's business right now. Ron Rice is a senator who represents the 28th legislative district, uh, largely in Newark, but not exclusively? No, parts of Newark, Glenridge, Bloomfield, Nutley, and Urbanton. Complex district, interesting. Yes. Uh, let's get right into it. You are not in favor, Senator, of the legalization of recreational marijuana, but rather say yeah. 
we need to decriminalize marijuana. Make the case. Well, the case is very simple. When you decriminalize, it means that you no longer have a record for a criminal offense. Therefore, you can still get employment and raise your family and do good things and hopefully wean off and, and go in a positive direction. Um, legalization is about making money, which is interesting, by the way, is that um, the governor supported and the Senate president supported legalization. We're not going to do legalization right now. We're not. We're not. Is it going on the 2020 ballot where people it's supposed to go on are the going ballot. to decide voters? Yes, it's going on the ballot. But what the public need to understand, particularly the African American community, um, is that it was sold to them this legalization of recreation marijuana under auspices of social justice. In other words, they were saying that black folks are being arrested three times greater than whites for the same use of marijuana, same small amounts. Which is true. Which is true and it's unjust. And therefore, they wanted to help, quote unquote, black folk and brown people by making sure we decriminalize and not make it a criminal offense. And the white community, the way they sold it um, on the ballot to, to, to get people to support it was that by decriminalizing the quote unquote, you save $140 million in revenue. Now they come back and say to those of us in the legislature and to the public, the subliminal message to me, uh, at least my interpretation of subliminal message, is that we don't care about the $140 million. That's, hold on. That's revenue that would yes. come into the state if marijuana no, was legalized? revenue that would be saved, saved. by decriminalizing by de because okay. of the course okay. it, it takes Got to incarcerate and to arrest. Okay. Okay? Now that we're not passing legalization, that's why I always say it was all about money, not about social justice. Now we're not legalizing recreational marijuana. What the Senate president and the governor are saying is that then we don't care whether you stay in jail or not, we don't care if, in fact, you have a criminal record because we don't believe in decriminalization. Because if you decriminalize, you still save $140 million right. and you do the social justice piece. Do you think this is largely... See, a lot of folks who have come in here and advocated on behalf of the legalization of marijuana talk about the social justice issue, but you talk about it differently. You believe this is a social justice and civil rights and race-related issue that in some ways is targeted toward the African-American community. Yes, and it's, that's always been our history since slavery. Uh, you make money on the backs of black folk. You can talk about privatizing prisons, uh, which we no longer do. We did, and it made money. We can talk about the bail reform that failed in New Jersey in terms of funding and things of that magnitude. And so we're in a different kind of society now, and the younger generation don't see racism or biases or discrimination or injustice the way we did during the civil rights movement. By the way, you're a former before. police officer in the city of Newark, and you saw, you've seen a lot of things. I see it every day in front of my office. We're still getting people shot up there, drugs on the corner, black markets flourishing. And in states where they legalize recreation marijuana, the black market's flourishing even more. Why? If you legalize it, why would the black market, the underground market, if you will, yeah. get even stronger? It doesn't make sense. For a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't have to tax anything. And number one, they can give you all the potency you, you want in TACs or other products. Because the government would regulate the potency sure. if it were legalized. And they can, they can do designer drugs. They can do a whole lot of different kinds of things out there that government can't do. What's going to happen with this, Senator? We're not going to yeah. have the legalization of marijuana that many people thought we were going to have, the recreational use. The medicinal use of marijuana continues to be discussed. You're not against medicinal or use for, of marijuana for people who are suffering and needed to relieve pain, are you? No, I promulgated that. I didn't vote for it the first time when Christie was there because I knew the bill, the way it was written, was going to do nothing but create false hope for people. I told the governor, the new governor, we need to do this thing right, and he, I think he has it right, and now it's still on hold because the science is showing that there are good benefits 
and probably more benefits than we know as we do the research on the medical side. Mm. It's the recreation, we call it the joy side, um, that, that's the problem in communities. Senator, what do you yeah. think most citizens would, okay, the, the ballot question comes up, in the 2020 presidential election, think about that, it goes on the ballot. How much marketing and advertising and promotion will there be one way or the other, supporting, the, supporting or being against legalized marijuana? How much? Well, you're talking about Wall Street people. You're talking about billionaires. So there's going to be millions of dollars spent on trying to convince people to say yes on that question, which grassroots people can't compete with the money, so we're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way, and that's door to door and get out there. Um, but people follow the trends. If the newspaper really print the facts as they see them in other states, every time someone... Um, a young person going to an emergency room with marijuana illnesses. Um, every time there's an accident, every time a newborn baby is born with THC on the brains, I think people catch on. But a lot of the media want this to happen. We? Uh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. Senator? We in the media want it to happen? Yeah, some media would like to see marijuana what, What's in it for happen. us? Well, what's in it for it is advertisements, big business, and some of the stock. These are Wall Street people. And I, was, I would go as far as to suggest, without doing the research, that some of the same people pushing this stuff on Wall Street people probably have some stock or investments in some of the media. And I'm not talking about NJTV. I'm talking about media Commercial media. Commercial media. Should we be looking close, more closely into that, Senator? I think we need to. Even when I follow the newspaper in the Star-Ledger um, in Newark, I kind of watch what writers are saying. What about marijuana? Which ones call me a bunch of names? Or those who, who are anti a bunch of names? And we don't know what we're talking about. And, but they go to the research, they come back and say, well, he was right on that one. And so they're not even doing research, but media's mm -hmm. not what it used to be either. By the way, we should make, that's a whole other yeah. subject, Senator. Yeah, yeah. We should make it clear that Senator Rice has been fighting the legalization of marijuana in Jersey for how many years? Going on three or four years now. You know, we've been fighting this stuff going way back. Um, when I was a cop, we talked about it, but it was a whole different kind of conversation. It wasn't about money back then. It was with George Soros, who funded this whole movement going back years ago. Soros did? The multi-billionaire Soros? Multi-billionaire. What's in it for him? Money, the way he made his money. If people research George, they'll see he made his money in some strange ways. He invested his money back into some of the cartels back years ago, too. But this is the kind of stuff the media don't want to pay attention to. The legislators don't want to know. Um, and that's the sad part about New Jersey. New Jersey is not Colorado. But I want to make yeah. it clear, uh, I'm not saying this in, as an editorial comment. It is true that Senator Rice's opposition to legalized marijuana is a big reason why there is not legalized marijuana in this state. He will not say it unless he chooses to, but he has lobbied and talked to his colleagues in the Senate, and enough of them may have been on the fence and decided in the end not to vote for this. Is that a fair assessment? Well, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people um, led the fight to stop it, but my colleagues stood strong in the legislation. I'm talking Republicans and Democrats, and particularly Republicans. Um, they, they were very much understanding of what was taking Governor place. Governor Murphy's wrong on this? Governor Murphy, I love my supporter. He's wrong on this. Um, he cannot sell this a social justice issue to me or to people in the black community. This is Senator yeah. Ron Rice, who represents the 28th Legislative District, going on his 34th year in the state legislature, a distinguished career. Senator, I want to thank you for joining us on State of thank Affairs. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate okay. it. Don't let it be the last time. No, just give me a shout-out. You got it. Thank you. I'm Steve Adubato. Stay with us. We'll be right back. To see more State of Affairs with Steve Adubato programs, visit us online at stateofaffairsnj.org. 
If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. We're pleased to welcome Amol Sinha, who is Executive Director, ACLU of New Jersey. That's the American Civil Liberties Union of New Jersey. Good to see you, Amol. Good to be here. Let's talk about a bunch of issues that matter to you. Uh, by the way, ACLU is all about what? Well, the ACLU is a nationwide civil rights and liberties organization. We're here in New Jersey for 60 years, and we uh, defend and promote everybody's constitutional rights uh, in the state. Let's talk about some of the top issues. Uh, number one, um, legalization of recreational marijuana is a civil liberties union for what? I don't know, civil liberties reason uh, issue? Yeah. I don't get it. So for us, legalization is a racial justice issue. Um, if you're black in New Jersey, you're three times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than if you're white. Uh, and the reality is that every single year for the past, since the year 2000, we've been increasing the number of marijuana arrests and the disproportionality has maintained. So in 2013, we had 27,000 arrests. In 2017, we had 37,000 marijuana-related arrests in our state, even though we have a statewide conversation about legalization. And everybody believes that, regardless of where you fall on the issue, everybody believes that nobody should be saddled with the lifelong collateral consequences of a marijuana conviction. But so here's the thing. We just had a conversation with Senator Ron Rice, who said he's against the legalization of recreational marijuana, but absolutely for the decriminalization of marijuana, you say? Well, where Senator Rice and I agree is that nobody should be saddled with these criminal justice consequences. Um, he believes that people He believes should... it's an issue of race. So do yeah. you. Yeah, okay, exactly. but you don't, you don't like, you don't agree with decriminalization. That's right. Because? So I think decriminalization isn't the... Uh, the half measure that people think it is. Uh, I think full legalization is really going to undo the harms that the war on drugs have wrought in New Jersey. So that includes um, creating an industry that's diverse, providing opportunities for people who have criminal justice histories, creating economic opportunities for those communities that have been the hardest hit by the war mm. on drugs. Those are things that full legalization can bring to the table that decriminalization doesn't. What's dark money? Dark and money. why does it matter? So. Um, the, the bill that we're talking about is the donor disclosure bill. Is that actually, uh, by the way, we're taping on the 18th of June, we'll be seeing later. There's a bill being voted on today. We don't know what's going to happen. That's right. What should happen and what is it? So the, the bill that's being considered would require any organization that's a 501c4 by the federal tax code. We are a 501c3, which means we cannot be involved in advocating any political position. Uh, well, you can to a certain degree of your budget, but not explicitly. Uh, uh, it may not be you know, uh, something that NJTV wants to do. Okay. Uh, however, 501c4s can get, engage in some political Got work. It. That's um, a tax status, yes. a tax code, if you yeah. will. But it includes organizations that, that are nonprofits, like the ACLU, like, um, you know, LGBT rights organizations, okay. like abortion Directly advocacy Directly involved groups. in political process. S to right. some degree. Um, and what's the dark money thing? So I think the intent of the dark money bill is to get at uh, those uh, influencers of electoral politics, the people that are funding candidates that are going to govern us eventually, um, that people want to know and have a reasonable degree of expectation to know uh, who is funding those candidates and how they may be influenced. So like but, on our program, we can see who, do, who funds us. We put those names up. Yeah. And we don't we, know who's funding these other things. So, but what I think is problematic about the bill is that it's overbroad. Any organization that's organized like a C4 that does uh, any sort of uh, 
public statements on any issue that may be legislation at some point in the future is going to be triggered to have to disclose their donors. Too broad? It's too broad. Um, and uh, for an organization like the ACLU, we voluntarily disclose many of our donors in our annual report. However, mm -hmm. for us to be required to uh, uh, to give up donors that may have uh, mm. legitimate privacy concerns. We've seen in the past how donors have been targeted because they've given to organizations like Planned Parenthood, like uh, NAACP. Uh, the ACLU is a controversial organization, and so are many of these other organizations, but this is a matter of constitutional principles as well. It creates uh, serious First Amendment concerns. Um, you know, people have a right to give to organizations privately, um, and it has serious privacy implications as well. People have the right to um, make sure that they are anonymous when they do give. We're going to find out what happens with that legislation and follow up on this program. Um, solitary confinement, you're yes. very much against it, you want to ban it. Yes. Because? Well, you know, by international standards, prolonged isolation of, of anything more than 15 days is considered torture. However, in the United States, we are routinely keeping people incarcerated in solitary confinement for years on end. And that happens in New Jersey. Now, a couple of years ago, we had a bill that restricted the use of solitary confinement that, got pa that was passed through the legislature, but uh, uh, Governor Christie vetoed it because he said solitary confinement doesn't exist in New Jersey. It does. It does. And uh, we just call it something else. And so we don't want you know, the government to not be held accountable simply because they change names on us. Um, you know, the, the idea behind the bill that we're supporting is to limit solitary confinement to only the most necessary cases. We don't want vulnerable people, you know, people who are young, people who are overly elderly, people who have uh, mental or physical disabilities to be subjected to the trauma of solitary Who's confinement unnecessarily. Uh, the sponsor on the Senate side is, is uh, Senator Poe, and on the assembly Nellie side, po? Nellie Poe, and uh, on the assembly side, it's, uh, it's Assemblywoman Pinkin. Got it. Question. Ex-offenders, their rights. Yeah. You believe ex-offenders should be able to vote in elections? That's right. Devil's advocate, you say what to those who say, come on. Yeah. You did this crime, you're put away for it, you lose certain rights, that's why you can't vote, you say? I understand that logic. However, we have to think about why it is that we deny people the right to vote to begin with if they have a criminal history. There's no real tangible connection between committing a crime or not committing a crime and voting. Right? And, and uh, you know, states like Maine and Vermont allow everybody to vote. Nobody ever loses the right to vote. Um, and, and I think we can follow the same path in New Jersey. And in New Jersey, you know, we're dead last in terms of racial disparities in our prisons. Uh, we have, uh, you're 12 times more likely to be incarcerated if you're black than if you're white in New Jersey. And that means out of 50 states, we're the, we have the worst racial disparities. The worst. The worst. Um, and so that means that in New Two Jersey, left. we're systemically denying the right to vote to people of color, and that should shock all of our collective conscience. This is uh, Amal Sinha. Sinha. Sinha, excuse me, I apologize, oh, okay. Executive Director ACLU, um, that is American Civil Liberties Union in New Jersey. Important conversation. Make sure you come back and we continue talking about a whole range of other issues involving our civil liberties, which affects all of us. Thanks so much. I'd love to be back. Well Thank done. you. I'm Steve Adubato. This is State of Affairs. Let's continue the conversation. So follow me on Twitter, at Steve Adubato, and way more importantly, we'll see you next week. State of Affairs with Steve Adubato is a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation, celebrating over 30 years of broadcast excellence. Funding for this edition of State of Affairs with Steve Adubato has been provided by New Jersey Sharing Network, Johnson & Johnson, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. 
Keystone Mountain Lakes Regional Council of Carpenters, Suez, and by Wells Fargo. Promotional support provided by NJ Advance Media and by AM970, The Answer. Hi, I'm Judge Michael Giles. As a trauma surgeon, my son, Randy, saved lives every day of his career. When he unexpectedly passed away at the age of 43, Randy continued to save lives as an organ and tissue donor. The New Jersey Sharing Network was with us when Randy gave the gift of life. They are committed to saving lives through organ and tissue donation and educating the public about the importance of donation and transplantation.